You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown, a podcast about love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak, and I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today. He is a friend of mine, and his name is Paul Rustan, but as an artist, he is a one-name wonder who just goes by Rustan. In early 2021, shortly after I started my OnlyFans, we started doing body paint collabs together. We were actually delayed about six months due to the motorcycle accident he mentions in the interview, but we now have five under our belts. And I can tell you, Rustan is so cool and chill, and I've never been uncomfortable being naked around him. And a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the interview, we've sort of discussed during our work sessions together. And I knew that I had to have him on the show because he's got an interesting philosophy on separating nudity from sex. Plus, he shares how he became a body painter in the first place, what his wife and kids think about it, and how he used his body painting as a launch pad to become an NFT creator and a popular guy in Decentraland. This episode has it all. Rustan is the best, and it's just a super fun chat. So let's get into it. Hi, my name is Paul Rustan. I'm a body painter. I paint on people, and then I photograph them. I'm from the South Bay near Los Angeles, California. Perfect. Okay, Rustan, I'm so excited to finally do this. We've done a bunch of body painting collabs, but this is our first podcast collab. So welcome to Private Parts Unknown. Thank you for having me. Excited, <laughs> excited to finally be part of this. Yeah. So I guess let's start at the beginning because, and I feel like I've heard this story maybe when we've been working together, but let's start at the beginning of your body painting and how you got into it. Well, luckily I like being authentic, you know, and because I got into a motorcycle accident like a little over a year and a half ago and had a severe concussion, my short-term memory sucks. So I don't remember what we talked about. So this will be like (laughs) the first time I'm having this conversation with you, (laughs) which is great. Actually, first, before we get into it, how has that been going? Have you noticed any improvements? Well, there was a point where it seemed like it was getting better, but it was really bad. Like I was, it was like Twilight Zone for me. I was forgetting things that I couldn't believe. And then maybe like a year later, one day it just like clicked on and I felt like, hey, I'm, I, my brain feels a little bit better. But um, just like the last two months, I've, I've been kind of forgetful again, but maybe because I'm just always super busy. So I don't uh-huh. know. It's almost like... It's almost like I empty the trash of the day before, and then it's like, what am I doing today? What's tomorrow? You know? But I think that that's also part of old age. I'm an old guy now, so. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like hard (laughs) to tell, right? Because I'm forgetful too, and I didn't have a brain injury. And I've just accepted it. Like the good thing is like you forget bad things too, so you don't Mm -hmm. get sad. Or if you're sad, you kind of get over it quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, which is nice. That's a really nice luxury. Did you used to hang on to stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a I'm a overanalyzer. You know, I I think about things too much, so I might get hung up on something for like months, years, mm-hmm. potentially. Now it's like something bad might only last me a day. Oh well, that is a silver lining. Yeah. 
Okay, so the last time we were just saying, the last time we saw each other was like December for maybe our third or fourth body paint collab. But how did you first get into it? I've always been an illustrator since as early as I can remember. I love drawing cartoons and comics and people. I like drawing people and I like drawing naked people. <laughs> and I was uh, in college, I became a caricature artist. Someone showed me um, his collection of work, Alex Ayala. I'll just name drop my, my favorite people on earth. He showed me his collection of caricatures from his summer, and I was just, like, in love with it. I was like, I want to do that. I want to draw caricatures. I didn't realize I could do that. I want to do that. So I did that, learned how to airbrush there, and then I moved to the East Coast and became a t-shirt airbrush artist on my own and just started airbrushing t-shirts, which is where I really honed my skills as an airbrush artist. And then I was also doing freelance illustration for an adult magazine, painting pictures. Oh, yeah. Drawing and illustrating pictures of naked people for, for articles in this magazine in Boston. I was airbrushing shirts at Official Airbrush. Again, got to drop the names, D'Angelo and, and Orlando and Emery. That's where it all kind of started. And so I was airbrushing editorial illustrations for an adult magazine called Boink in Boston. Oh, which I was, love that. Which was a magazine <laughs> that was geared towards everybody. And it was about educating. And so it had gay, straight, male, female, whatever you could think of. And it had cool uh, nonfiction articles and fiction articles. And so I was doing all the illustration for that magazine. And one day I was just like, hey, I can paint a model for a photo spread in the magazine. And I kind of presented it like I knew what I was talking about, like I'd done it before and I'd never even tried it. How did you get the idea? Well, one of, one of my friends, Mario Seja in Chicago, he was a caricature artist with me. He was a body painter in Chicago. And that was kind of similar. Like he showed me his work just like caricatures with Alex Ayala. And I was like, oh, damn, I want to do that. That's cool. I remember when I was like 12 years old seeing the picture of Demi Moore painted by Joanne Gare on the cover of Vanity Fair, photographed uh -huh. by Annie Leibovitz. I saw that in the supermarket when I was 12. And I was like, this is the coolest shit ever. I'm standing here 12 years old and there's a naked Demi Moore in the aisle covered in paint and it looks so real she was wearing like a business suit painted business suit and it blew my mind and i legitimately i think then until mario seja showed me his work i didn't realize that it was possible you know and so um just randomly and it was literally like a year or two after he showed me his work that it just popped into my head hey i can i think you know what it was the release party for the first issue of that magazine there was body painting at the party and, and I saw it. I guess it was just sort of in my head a little bit. And so I did the first one. They actually had me do like a test run on the founder of the mag. And so I showed up and I brought a bottle of wine. And I was just nervous. You know, everybody was nervous. And like I had some wine, painted her up. That's cute. I painted her up like two different ways. And that was sort of my first time. I actually, after I had the, the dialogue with them, I ran home and painted my wife three times and then sent them pictures of what I did on her. I did all three in like two hours. It wasn't full body, it was just like partial. And so that was the first, then the second was the founder and the third was an actual piece of work in the magazine. And I was hooked, I was completely hooked. I found what I'm meant to do. Amazing. Okay, so how many years ago was that? That was 2005. Two th so oh my 17, God. 17 years. 17 years. Okay, so tell me about the craziest shit or- oh, 
the or the sweetest stuff. I'm sure you've seen a spectrum, right? From like oh my god, yeah, kind of borderline like, sex parties, maybe celebrity things. I should like write a diary. <laughs> oh, I actually have a diary that I wrote as an ebook years ago that I should probably refer to. But um, like early on, like for that magazine, we used to do uncensored parties. So this magazine was created and founded by students at Boston University, boink, and the university didn't like that, and so they would have these big parties at big venues releasing the magazine and they would almost always get shut down by the police obviously the university sent the cops so after a while it became like kind of private like you you won't know the location until an hour before the party or you know like Uh you have to like it's like fidelio is the secret password you know right (laughs) and so and it was kind of cool because then when when we started doing that you'd have all these other types of people show up that are more conservative but want to unwind and show their their riskier side and and they know they were safe uh-huh. that they wouldn't be exposed so you'd have like teachers or like uh-huh. politicians or whoever you know so it really turned into kind of like this weird illuminati-esque kind of thing i know you're you're giving me eyes wide shut vibes but... i know right <laughs> well i mean it's it's close i mean there wasn't like crazy orgies happening everywhere but there was a lot of naked people you know, uh-huh. and it was fun. Everyone was really just having a good time. But um, there's this one time at one of the parties, there was this guy. This is the gro- one of the grossest things that's probably ever happened in my life. He was just this gross dude, kind of a bro dude. And he, he was like, my wife was there. I was busy painting guests. They would have me on board painting the guests at the parties. Mm-hmm. And so I was, they paid me. So the, so the guests would get it for free, which was cool. You know, just like a cool feature mm-hmm. of the event. I'm painting somebody and he starts like hitting on my wife and she politely turns him down. And he, he's like, you know, embarrassed by that and just doesn't respond in the best way. Starts like questioning her, you know, whatever. But she handled that fine her, by herself. And then he rolls up next in my line with his girl, with some girl that he brought. And I ask her, what would you like me to paint on you? And she says, I don't know, whatever he wants. He looks at me and he's like, paint my name on her tits. And I was just like, oh, gross, gross. And I looked at her, I was like, is that what you want? And she's like, whatever he wants. And I was like, okay. So that was like one of the, that was like one of the grossest things I ever painted, ever. (laughs) 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 But then at the same time, in the same night, different couple, I'm in the middle of painting somebody. And this guy comes up to me and whispers in my ear. And he's like, hey, can you do anything in your power to convince my wife to get painted? And I was like, well, I'll try. I mean, I'm not like a magician, but I'll see what I could do. And he confides in me that she had survived breast cancer and she's extremely self-conscious about her breasts. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I'll do what I... I'll try. I can't force anybody to get naked or anything, but I'll see what I could do. And so she sits in front of me and she's, she's really beautiful, but she's really shy. We could tell she's nervous and shy and I'm pretty, I think, you know, you know that I'm pretty easygoing and relaxing and chill. And, and we just, we, I just start slice. So I paint her neck. I, I paint a little something on her neck. I think maybe a flower or something. I can't remember what it was. And I just start having a little conversation with her and I try to get her more and more comfortable. And a couple of dudes walk by and kind of compliment her breasts randomly because she had she had a big chest. 
And, <laughs> <laughs> and so she was, you could tell that those compliments actually hit her in just the right way. Like they weren't done in like a gross, you know, like construction worker type of way, cat calling or anything. It was, it was, <laughs> it was about as classy as you could make it, which was nice. I'm glad someone didn't ruin it by like, you know, saying something stupid. So like I, I gently encouraged her to take her top off. And she was really nervous about it, and she did. And then I quickly started painting. And the crowd around me uh, was excited to see her, and she was you could see her starting to kind of wake up a little bit. And by the end of it, she was like, it was the most amazing thing. She was like a ray of sunshine, the Aww. biggest, most beautiful smile ever, you know? And she was so happy to have her breasts out and I just thought that was incredible. That was like one of my favorite experiences on the same night as one of my worst experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It probably was super affirming and like made her, you know, feel like a woman again. Yeah. Have you had other kind of body positive experiences like that? I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, one that comes to mind is I painted a 320 pound woman once. Oh. And... That was hard. She she couldn't stand for 15 minutes, for more, more than 15 minutes at a uh -huh. time. So so I had to paint her standing and then seated and then visualize what her body would look like while it was standing while she was seated. You know, because the, the skin contracts and stretches if you're standing or seated and, and more, more so when you're 320 pounds, you know. And so I did the best that I could and it came out fine. It was great. But my favorite thing about that was she was like beyond comfortable in her body. She was so happy and she was kind of like a, a prancing fairy, you know, and it was beautiful. Like I envy that. I wish I could be that comfortable in my own skin, you know, and um, that was another cool one for sure as far as body positivity goes. Hey, Privates. Boo, boo, Privates with penises. I'm talking to you. <laughs> Our sponsor, Fleshlight, can help you reach new heights with your self-pleasure. And that is because Fleshlight is the number one selling male sex toy in the world. And they don't just leave you hanging over there. At Fleshlight, you can explore sex toys with expert guides and advice, especially if you're a beginner or you're looking to level up. If you have been listening to the show for a while, you know how I feel about self-pleasure and it is very, very good. And I definitely endorse using sex toys. I have a lot of fun with sex toys myself. So with the Fleshlight Girls series, you can embrace your wildest porn star fantasies with a different porn actress every night. What? With the variety of models, sensations, and intensities, you can live out limitless fantasies. And you can automate your fantasies with a universal launch that fits most Fleshlight products. With its innovative touch control system, just set the controls, sit back, and enjoy. And you have pleasure right in your hands. Your pleasure is in your complete control. And as the ultimate male pleasure device on the market, it's as versatile as you are anatomical, stamina building, vibrating, or made for couples, you name it. You define your luxury moment. And I just want to say, if you have any shame around sex toys, please don't. It is so much better than being weird with girls because you feel kind of desperate or whatever. Fleshlight just allows you to chill out, 
wait for the right girl when she comes. And in the meantime, you know you are going to be getting yours and having a good time. So you don't even have to sweat it. And right now, Fleshlight is offering Private Parts Unknown listeners 10% off your order with our code PRIVATE10. So you just go to ppupod.com. That's the website, ppupod.com. You click Fleshlight and you use the promo code PRIVATE10 to get 10% off your delicious new device. Again, that is ppupod.com and enter code PRIVATE10 and it really helps support the show. It helps support yourself and your own sex drive. So go ahead and use the link in the episode description. We can all be horny together. We can keep this podcast going. So get yourself a flashlight and get yourself off. What's a typical shoot like for you? And yeah, if anybody was interested in kind of getting started, how would you send them down that path? Well, I mean, over the years, things have evolved a lot. And, you know, the early the early step, like, it's about, like, finding someone who will let you paint them, you know. Right. <laughs> and then pretty quickly, it, you get a few under your belt and you have this portfolio. And then pretty quickly, people are start to want to get painted by you. Especially when I started, there was no social media. It was just Model Mayhem. So that was pretty much it. But now on social media, everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame and they want to get the likes and stuff. So now it's like if you have kind of a good a good thing going, people want to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. uh, so now I, I get to be more selective and I, I go after people that I, I'm pretty good at sort of identifying chemistry just by looking at their photos or if they're maybe too glamoury. So I, I prefer models that are more comfortable and playful in their skin than like trying to look sexy. Mm-hmm. you know, all the time. Because it's hard. Like one of my challenges is separating sex from nudity. And not that I dislike sex or anything, but, uh, and I've done erotic body paintings, but for the most part, my work is just art on naked skin. So I, I try to separate those things as much as I can, unless the concept calls for it. And so I look at the photos and most of the time models reach out to me, but every once in a while, I'll just see someone that I, I think is, just, oh, this person, I, I know for a fact we would work together and I love mm-hmm. what they do in their work. And so I want to combine my stuff on them. And so I'll reach out to them. And then sometimes, you know, a lot of people just reach out to me. And But one thing I can say, though, is when, when people reach out to me, like, for some reason, I'll get a message like, will you paint me? And then I click over and the whole account is anonymous and it's all pictures of flowers. And it's like, you got to like, yeah, show me what I'm working with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am like, this flower. Paint this daisy, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, obviously right off the bat, that shows me, okay, so you have zero experience. You're not professional. So like already that's kind of a major negative, you know? So I, I definitely hope people can at least right off the bat, like save save me some time, save themselves some time by like sending a couple photos. It doesn't have to be naked or anything. And, you know, I can see what, what I'm working with because that sometimes that inspires an idea, you know, and then I start a conversation and then, and then find out what's interesting to that person. And then I can apply something that's relevant to them. So what do most of your models do? And I love the idea of separating sex from nudity but do you find that you do wind up like working with a lot of people that are in the adult space just because they're like wanting to get painted it's definitely all over the place i've painted people that have never been naked in front of anyone except their doctor i've painted i've painted teachers privately you know 
and then I've painted OnlyFans uh-huh. strippers at, at um, strip clubs, you know. And, and honestly, my favorites are the strippers because they are beyond comfortable. And they're ready to, like, put on an act. Yeah, and they know how to move their body. Yeah, and they can play non-sexual wonderfully. Like, they can become a character and, like, there's no sex attached to it, which I love. They can do everything. So I have to kind of coach them less, you know? And and then there's people that are, you know, professional figure models. It's the whole range, really. But I can sort of... You can sort of sense who's good based off of those things, too, you know? Uh-huh. How many hours does it take? And then how do you approach the designs? I feel like each time we've worked together, you've had kind of like, you've been like, I've been thinking about the color pink or something. So (laughs) where do you get your ideas? (laughs) Yeah, I wish I could just focus on one style and just stick with that like some famous artists do, you know, you can recognize their style. But I just get bored so fast. And I, I procrastinate a lot. I wait often till the very last second to come up with something. Sometimes 10 minutes before I even start painting. And for me, like the whole experience, I just want it to be fun. So if I'm Mm -hmm. not into it, I don't really want to do it. So sometimes I have to wait till the very last second. And, and like you said, a lot of times I'm on a, I'm on a turquoise and pink kick. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a whole series as long as I'm on this kick, you know? And then other times I'll have a conversation with the model. And like for you, for example, like we've done, I don't even know how many times we've painted out three or four times, you know, it takes on average three hours to paint somebody. So in those three hours, you develop a relationship, you learn who mm-hmm. they are a little bit, and you find out what they're into. And then maybe next time that can be applied to it. Because I do want it to be interesting to the person I'm painting. I want it to celebrate them a little bit. I don't want to just objectify them by painting some shit all over them that they don't care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, it's all over the place. Sometimes I'll be driving down the street and I see this awesome location and I'm like, oh my God, I got to paint something there. I don't know what, but something and let me think about it. And other times I'll see a person and just the way they look just inspires me and like I have to figure out what to paint on them and, or, or where to place them. So there's all sorts of factors. Like for you, the last one to me is my favorite. The New Year's Eve? The New Year's Eve one, yeah. Interesting. Because it sort of represents the sexy side a little bit. And it's fun. And the movements and the smile on your face. There's this sort of modeling, you know, and you got that modeling background. It's like this sort of modeling fun personality attached to it. You know, I'm into that as far as connecting it to you. Yeah, we've done like a fembot. Yeah. We did like a rainbow shark thing that you painted on me then we mm-hmm. did oh we've done at least four and then we went to the beach oh the and beach we did, yeah. yeah that yeah. beach one was awesome <laughs> that might be my yeah, favorite that was fun well that was fun that's always fun to go and yeah shoot naked people in public <laughs> it was like a Baywatch style swimsuit and we literally yeah. just went to the beach <laughs> and, yeah, and, and waited cool. for people to see <laughs> yeah and it's cool because like we we went to the beach and we went to a a pool way atop Palos Verde. Oh yeah, I, a beautiful beautiful house with a beautiful pool, and it's like two different results. One feels like Baywatch, and the other one feels like a pretty awesome gal drinking a champagne or martini or something by the really nice pool. You know, uh-huh. it's it's just two different characters. You know, yeah. But you can tell like the cyberbot like robots for me are easy. I don't know anything about you. Let's do a cool robot, but with like cool futuristic colors. Like that probably doesn't mean much to you at all. And then, and then we did the shark thing, 
which is a little bit more ex- experimentation, exploration. And then we did the bikini, which is more about, you know, viral fun. And then, then I was like, oh, let's do, let's do party girl Courtney yeah, for New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> New Year's was coming and I felt like you're probably going to go to a party and this is what you should look like. It was actually better than my actual New Year's. <laughs> I know. You should have just rocked it. <laughs> so we are going to do another collab coming up. Do you know what we're going to do? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Okay. That'll be a surprise. <laughs> but it'll be cool. Okay. So you took your whole body paint 17 years, whatever, you've been doing this body paint events and stuff like that. And then with the NFT craze, you kind of rolled over that skill set to become like a big NFT creator. So tell me about that. Yeah. So I've like for the last four or five years, I started diving hard into YouTube. And so I studied YouTube intensively to understand it you know a little bit more and and i started like how to grow your channel and stuff kind of i mean it's just more like all right what what are things that i like and what can i emulate in my own way to 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 make my stuff entertaining to other people you know not necessarily like reading blogs on how to do things right because i don't always believe those Mm -hmm. and i can confirm that a lot of those are bullshit anyways through my own experience so I followed a ton of channels and was basically, I basically cut out TV and just started watching YouTube regularly. And one day I stumbled on some NFT video. I was always kind of interested in crypto. I started messing with it in like 2014. And, and this, this video had something to do with NFTs and art and crypto and art. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like I was always interested in crypto, but it was always like, okay, money, money. It's just about money and maybe poker. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, but now we got this video talking about crypto and art. And I was like, oh, what's this? Piqued my interest. And I watched it and I understood it immediately. Like I wasn't like one of those people. I don't get it. What's an NFT? Like, so you don't, you own nothing. It's not even a material possession. Like it didn't, there was no confusion for me. For me, I, I saw it clearly and I was like, oh shit. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for this my whole life. I can sell my body painting as an original piece of art, which I could never do because it it's gone after four hours. You know, it washes off in the shower. It's ephemeral. It's like, this is crazy. And then I don't have to print stuff out or frame it or store it or talk to galleries or give away a commission to a gallery. You know, I was like, this is just sounding better and better and better. And I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be for sure. So I dove in headfirst and just went crazy at it. And literally, it took like four or five months before I even made a sale. But the whole time, there was a point where where I was like, I'm in this. Like, I believe Uh it. Like, if I never make a sale, whatever, then my goal is to be the longest running NFT artist that never made a sale, you know? (laughs) But so I was in it and I was watching people make huge, crazy ass sales. This one like 17 year old did a doodle on like a napkin and sold it for like $17,000. And I was like, damn, Damn. if if that happened to me when I was 17, I don't know what I'd be doing right now, you know? (laughs) Retired. (laughs) And then there were other people that weren't making sales, but a lot of the friends I was making, they were doing all right. And I was sitting there twiddling my thumbs 
knowing that like my stuff should sell i feel like it should sell like i'm not just a 17 year old doodling on a napkin like i've been doing this for 17 years like everything makes sense i've i'm proving that i'm a good long-term investment but you know i was patient and i kept exploring and i even decided to collect nfts before i started selling them i always had this idea like if i sold if i sell an nft a part of that sale is going to go towards collecting somebody else and so i just put my money where my mouth is i was like fuck it i'm just i'm just gonna start buying some nfts and so i did that and it actually taught me things that collectors are looking for oh you know like uh as far as pricing and additions and like what you would want to buy because i was buying what i want to buy Mm-hmm. What I would hang on my on my wall, on my virtual NFT frame screen, you know? And you do have that in your studio. You have yeah. this, like, NFT screen, and it rotates through your NFTs. Right, right. And so, you know, I amassed this really large collection, built a following as a collector, and at the same time started selling my work because I understood a better way to go about it was not to price it at a million dollars, but to instead create like an addition of a hundred, for example, and price it at three dollars. Mm-hmm. Basically, I was collecting collectors, and that sort of established my brand and established almost like a team base of super fans that we could all benefit off, off each other. And our motivations were all revolved around a secondary sale of, of their purchase because they buy it, then they flip it for ten times what they paid, and then I get a cut of that. So everybody wins. So that's I figured that out and attacked it and then developed this nice profit and I had this nice chunk of crypto saved up and I was invited to a metaverse show in Decentraland and I was just in like yes man mode accepting every everything I was letting my body go wherever it told me you know uh-huh. and so I jumped into Decentraland to this gallery thing and at first I was like this is weird this is crazy I was creating my avatar and like I was kind of like impatient but whatever let's just do this and so I created it and again like when the first gallery show popped up my mind was instantly blown it took me a little bit longer to understand than NFTs did but once that clicked I was just like holy shit this changes everything like I had one collector immediately asking me questions about a piece And I realized as I'm answering them that everyone in the space could read my answer versus like at a gallery show, someone asked me a question and then they go away and then I meet someone else and they ask me the same question. So you have to answer the same question 70 times over the course of a night, you know, and it gets boring and old. I only had to do it once. I was like, that's a huge plus. (laughs) And wait, people are, are at home and they're maybe drunk and they don't have to worry about a designated driver. And my artwork is on these virtual walls, relatively like 10 foot art prints with beautiful neon frames wrapped around it glowing. I was like, this would cost me like tens of thousands of dollars to produce an art show like this in real life. And here it is, cost me nothing. And people from all over the world are coming to see it and they're buying, you know. So after that, I was all in. Maybe like three months later, I had these profits and I was like, I'm going to buy land in the virtual world and so I bought land in the virtual world and created virtual wearables and sold a ton of virtual wearables 
and developed a fan base. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes on and on. It never ends. We have to do some definitions. We have to bring yeah. people up to speed that might not know what all these things are. So first of all, define what is an NFT and why do you think it's like good? An NFT is a non-fungible token. I hate that name. I don't know who came up with it. <laughs> like it doesn't help in any way, you know? It doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> but basically... The way I sort of relate it to a normie, which is a person who's not in this world, (laughs) is like, think about like buying a CD, right? That's what we all know as a material possession. And now think about how many CDs you own and how many CDs you actually use. Or do you just pay for a subscription or buy, download an MP3 from the cloud, right? Mm -hmm. So there is no material possession there. So, like, just forget about material ownership because you're already doing it. You don't even see the guy who delivers your food at the door when you DoorDash. Right. You know, that's the thing of the past. It's a cloud. So, NFTs are all virtual. They're assets that are attached to this crypto token. And the big value of it is you buy this token and it's yours. You own it and you can flip it. You can sell it for more than you paid. That's the huge thing. And plus also, whatever's attached to it is 100% authentic, verifiable, just by being on the blockchain. Whereas a Mona Lisa can be forged and has to be appraised and proven to be authentic. You don't have to worry about that with NFTs. So when it comes to selling art, it's just, it's easier all the way around. And as an artist, you retain more of a stake in your work, don't you? Or you can? It's uh, it's up to you. You can even you can sell commercial rights. You can keep them. You can state that all beforehand. Right now, the etiquette is you don't like the buyer doesn't have rights to use the image unless it's stated. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're protected. Like you'll have to go to court if you don't want that to happen. So I would always recommend people be careful of what they're willing to sell and always accept the possibility that somebody might try to profit off of it. But mm-hmm. I personally don't even worry about that. Like when I started. You know, most of my money was made with prints. So I did worry about, okay, well, I don't want to make an NFT of a print that already exists because that devalues the print for the people that bought before because now you have this person who owns a a higher res version of this image and they can go and print it. So I just wouldn't print those things. Let's define a couple other things. So the metaverse, I feel like people might know because of Zuckerberg for better yeah. or worse. Yeah, but totally. can you kind of define that? And then like Decentraland, like what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So Decentraland looks like a video game that that we all may know from one way or another, whether it's Sims or Second Life or whatever. But it's really kind of like, I say it's like AOL chat. It's like a social chat with visuals attached to it. But also that, it has crypto NFTs attached to it. So you have virtual wearables that your avatars can wear that you can buy and sell and flip and make money off of. You have virtual art that you could put in your virtual home if you own land and made a home. You know, it's it's just like a cool world that you can socialize and make money from. And it's true. Like when, when I bought my land, it was actually two or three weeks before Facebook Meta announced Meta. The name oh, change. Good timing, right? And yeah, and my name, my um, land, 10x when that <laughs> happened. And so I was confronted with this holy shit, I have this thing that I could sell now for more money than I ever imagined, you know? And I'm not selling it. <laughs> Are you happy you made that decision? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. I've made my expense back on the land with the use of my land. I have gallery shows and parties and I have a hot tub that people actually use, you know, and I, I showcase DJs and music and it's, like I said, it's like a, it's like a cool social event, you know, and so I'll, I'll have, like, at the most I had something like 389 people on the land at once, which was the craziest party ever. Now it's, now it averages like 50, 50 people at once. Uh, it's slowed down a lot since the markets crashed. But, you know, I sit there and I'll have like the best time. I've made so many friends, so many people all over the world that are awesome and like-minded because we're all crazy enough to get into this crypto world. When it comes to like going to like a real life event or club or something, I'm like less interested because I got to get dressed and I got to drive and I got to sit in LA traffic and I got to worry about driving home and all that BS. And all of a sudden, everything else is just not efficient. But you have, I think you told me you have groupies like go to your hot tub yeah <laughs> you have yeah. groupies in the metaverse so it's crazy like like everything i built i was like this would be cool i'm gonna add this this would be cool and so i had this this house that came with the land and so i didn't like it like it had these big windows and i got rid of the windows so that you can access it through the windows it had a door before and the only way you could go in or out was through that door and i was like that's stupid like what why do you need windows there's no rain you know nothing's gonna get damaged nobody's gonna steal my shit like fuck windows and then there was a rooftop and there was no access to it so i added stairs to that and then there was this little squared off section and i was like this would be a cool place to put a hot tub rooftop hot tub and i didn't realize it but apparently i was like the first person to put a hot tub in the metaverse in decentraland (laughs) and people ate that shit up and, and it drew everybody everybody was was wanting to come and chill in the hot t- in the virtual hot tub and watch the DJs and socialize. And it even inspired people to make bikini wearables. And so then finally people can get a little bit naked and, and wear bikinis in the hot tub. And so obviously, what, surprisingly, like, you know, I would think that like a majority of these female avatars were male, but there's actually a lot of females using this. And a group of them would come and hang out all the time. And, Interesting. and we became friends. And then they went on to create just the most amazing brand, DCL Baby Dolls. And now I'm their groupie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the groupie. (laughs) So when you say wearables, it's like Sim style. So it's like for your avatar to wear. Right. And it's cool because you you can create a wearable. You can make it really huge addition so anybody could get it for super cheap. Or you can make it really unique and expensive. And so like... Like, I have a unique one that's only one of one. So I'm the only one in the whole game that has it. And then I have a multiple editions of 10 and then and then lots of editions of 1,000. But it's cool. You know, like, those bikinis are probably, like, an edition of 1,000 maybe. And so a lot of people have the bikinis now, which is cool. That is cool. So I've met your wife and she's like really chill and awesome and completely not threatened by any of this stuff, which I love. So can you give a little Cliff's notes of like how you guys met? And isn't that awesome to have a partner like that? Yeah. I mean, we, we grew together. I met her when I was 19 in 1998. <laughs> oh my God. That's so long ago. <laughs> I know. There's there's people that I painted that were not alive when I met her. 
Like right. they weren't born yet. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. I'm just a creepy old man now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember like in 2002-ish, before I started doing body painting, I wanted to do tattoos. So I wanted to be an apprentice at a tattoos. And I remember asking her, how would you feel if I had to tattoo some girl's butt? And we talked about it and she was like, well, that would be part of your job, I guess. Right. So, and really it's like, I was in that time when I asked that question, I was in that place that most of the world is. It's like a place of ignorance about being around nudity. Mm -hmm. The same thing is true with like drawing models in art class. You know, that first time you have to do it, it's like a weird world you're entering. But then within like a minute or two and you start, it's like, whatever you know it's just right. a naked person you know it's not a big deal everybody for whatever reason has to attach sex to it you know they're puritanical shit yeah whatever we were conditioned to believe and so little by little you know um you know first i painted her and then i painted the founder of the mag and then i painted a model and then i painted another model and then another model and another model and then she was at the shows the the release shows and it was just like we got out of that world of ignorance and began to understand the way things really are. I mean, it'd be hilarious if I opened with, first we bang, then we paint. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. But you, that's just you not how it works. You probably wouldn't be so prolific, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not to say that that doesn't happen. I mean, there's definitely creepy people out there, and there's, maybe that's their motivations, you know. And not to say that they're creepy, like, that's their motivations. If, if both parties are into that, then whatever, you know. But, um... That's just not how I roll. And, and so she's been there. And I, I kind of miss before we had kids because she was usually on set with me kind of taking behind the scenes pictures and she takes great, great photos, you know. And Aww. because she doesn't have that ignorance in her head, she can take an objective photo and not have some weird motivation of like, ooh, I'm going to get this picture of this naked girl. Uh-huh. Like, like some dude photographers might maybe, you know. I had this one gallery show in New England one night. It was my show, but I had to leave it early because I had to go. I had a gig to paint at House of Blues. And this this one lady was really, really fascinated by my work. And so we were talking for like 45 minutes, which is a long time when you're having a show because you you have to give time to as many people as possible. But she was just like beyond fascinated. And she seemed to really get it, like my motivations and everything. And I was like, I'm really sorry, but I have to leave now. I have to go paint in Boston. And she's like, oh, you better thank your wife. And I was like, what? Thank her for what? She's like, for letting you paint all these beautiful women. I was like, I'm going to Boston to paint a bunch of guys for for gay night. For gay night. And I love that gig. Like, those guys are awesome. (laughs) They're all bouncers. You know, I love it. But it's like, what does my wife have to do with that at all? So that's kind of like what... There's this weird disconnect between my two worlds, those two worlds, you know? And, like, that was a bummer after having such a good conversation with her for her to to finish with that, but... Yeah. No, it is kind of small-minded, but in a way, she's, like, voicing what a lot of people think. And in a way, I mean, she is really cool and chill that, you know, every weekend or whatever, you paint a naked chick. But, yeah, that's not exactly... It kind of lends itself, though, to, like... Because, in a way, they're projecting their insecurities or whatever. And so it lends itself to, like... If you want to have a good relationship with someone, shouldn't you be nurturing them to grow? 
and succeed, not constrict them and hold them back, you know? And so that's all that my wife should really be praised for is her ability to be comfortable in herself and have faith in my um, loyalty, but know that you got to let this other human being do what they're meant to do in a way. Don't try to hold them back from that. Totally. Well, that's how you last like over two decades. Yeah. Do your daughters get it? Yeah, they've helped me paint. And that, that's this has been kind of a struggle because they have to come up in a world, in a school, where it's easy to find out about me, you uh-huh. know. And so their friends ask them, your dad paints on naked people? And so they have to navigate that taboo uh-huh. too now, which kind of sucks. And it's weird because a lot of the kids' moms love me and they love my work and so they kind of bat their eyelashes at me a little bit which is weird <laughs> that's weird you know it's definitely better than new england response new englanders are a little bit rougher but california california moms love it and uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah my kids like i sat them on my lap asked the model hey do you mind if i let my daughter paint on you a little bit and so they'll be there they're, they're, they've been around naked females and naked males they've seen them walking through the house and and they've helped me actually apply some paint on skin there's like there's one body painting i did where where i asked the model if they could paint a flower on them it was like all these flowers and so they each painted a flower on the body too you know and so they they see how it works and what i do i don't hide it from them you know it's ridiculous to hide it that's cool so what's next more nfts and metaverse yeah i mean i've been hustling hard doing so many things every week i've learned how to do 3d animation and building and coding and so i built a whole holy shit cove i built like a whole beachfront with a wave and you can ride the wave so i'm the first person to surf a wave in the central land <laughs> and they created a big bonfire but i created this whole thing with the intent of bringing one of my friends who's this amazing singer kira bones kira lingman her nickname is kira bones and she she's uh the leader of the hollow legs here in Hermosa beach i want to onboard her so the whole world can see her amazing voice and so I created this beachfront setting that she'll be able to sing over the campfire virtually for people all over the world to come join and watch. So that's happening Tuesday. And then I'm creating like a collectible NFT collection on Saturday and then I'm painting you on Sunday. <laughs> oh, busy. Yeah. Okay, well, this has been amazing. I can't wait for our next collab. And you got to fill the privates in on where they can find you online. Um, easiest place is bodypainter.com. That's my website. And that has links to everything, all my socials and my NFTs. There's a whole category on NFTs. Everything is there. Um, youtube.com slash Rustan, twitter.com slash Rustan NFT. I have an Instagram, but I hardly ever use it anymore. Uh, instagram.com slash Rustan, but it's all on my website, bodypainter.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the pod and giving us this great lesson about how nudity and sex are not the same. Well, they can be. <laughs> they can be, yeah. but they don't have to be. They don't have to be, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me, always. My pleasure. This is really fun. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. Virtually, we're basically <laughs> in the metaverse, sort of. <laughs> we are sort of in the metaverse. <laughs> Thanks again to Rustan. 
We had a freaking blast body painting a couple days ago and the video is already out. So check out the episode description for links to that and all of the other collabs we've done together. And if you want to see even more, you can subscribe to my OnlyFans. Just go to OnlyFans.com slash Coco Peep Show. If you didn't know, newsflash, Cokes is a bit of an exhibitionist, and that is where I post my nudes. <laughs> and if you want to stay in touch with me via my civilian account, I am at Courtney Kosak, K-O-C-A-K, on both Twitter and Instagram. And of course, make sure to follow the show at Private Parts Unknown on Instagram and at Private Parts Un on Twitter. And you got to make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. It is just privatepartsunknown.substack.com. But to make it super handy, the link is in the episode description. Shout out to Amy Rausch for the bomb ass theme music. For more info about Amy and her music, check out amyrausch.com. That's Amy, R-A-A-S-C-H.com. This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda of Plastic Audio. Thank you, Mike. I love you. And after enjoying this content, could I ask you for a quick favor, please? Just go to ratethispodcast.com slash private and give a five-star rating and review. It honestly helps other people find the show and it's just soul food. It feels really good. So again, that is ratethispodcast.com slash private. Or if you're listening on Spotify, it is super easy. You just go to the upper left-hand corner of the Private Parts Unknown page, probably where you're listening right now. You click the star button and then you click all five stars. See, easy peasy. Thank you so much. And until next time, I am wishing you lots of horniness and happiness and a blissful separation of nudity and sex. Bye.